We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, February the 24th, 2020. On today's show, I break down what was a rough weekend in Gamecock athletics as South Carolina basketball falls to LSU 86-80. to Gamecocks basketball loses two of three in a series to Northwestern. Also, I'll give my thoughts on the current state of USC athletics and why, guys, I believe that South Carolina is currently at a crossroads. Also, we have some news and notes to go, in, go over and a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks left in the pitcher, Nolan Belcher, which I know you're sure to enjoy. Before we get into everything, this is a podcast sent to you by our friends over at Newground Hard Nitro Lattes. Guys, I absolutely love Newground, the brand, the people, especially the drink. It is absolutely amazing. Everybody I dish these out to. I actually had a buddy's birthday party over the weekend, birthday little event. We went out. We had a good time. I was a lot of friends. They love the drink. These drinks are absolutely amazing, especially if you're a big coffee drinker like me. If you're a coffee fan, you're going to love, I mean love, these drinks. They have two flavors, cafe latte and chai latte, which have 5% alcohol. So, guys, only 5% alcohol. So, it's enough to enjoy casually, but also if you're trying to party, you're trying to turn up at the tailgate, you're trying to have a good time, whether you're at home, at the tailgate, with friends, whatever, it's the perfect drink for any occasion. Like I said, guys, these things taste absolutely amazing, and there's a reason for that. They're made with real coffee and tea, natural flavors, real sugar. They're GMO-free, guys. When you drink these things, you're going to be able to tell the difference. You know, a lot of times you're trying to get that buzz, and you're having to sacrifice because the drink just doesn't taste all that great. Not with this, not with New Ground. These things taste absolutely amazing. It just tastes like a delicious coffee drink, honestly. It tastes so good. I can't believe how good it tastes, to be honest with you. It has naturally occurring caffeine as well in the cafe latte flavor, or if you're more of a decaf fan, you can go with the chai latte flavor as well. You can find the drinks all over the Southeast from South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, uh, any stores like Harris Teeter, Publix, Total Wine, Trader Joe's, Food Lion, wherever you go. If you can't find it, be sure to ask because these guys are everywhere and they're taking over. I guarantee you they're going to have them there. If you want to learn more, be sure to check them out at drinknewground.com and follow them on social media at Drink Newground. Again, guys, that's Newground Hard Nitro Lattes, imported from Holland, drinknewground.com, and follow them on social media, at Drink Newground. All right, let's get into it. Phillips, Joseph Spurs Up show, as always. Boy, oh boy, what a weekend it was. Huh? <laughs> we, 
We've got a lot to talk about. I'm glad you joined me today on this Monday. Hope everybody's having a fantastic Monday. Back to the work week, back to the grind. And man, again, what a weekend it was. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about, a lot to break down, a lot to discuss. Um, a very rough weekend for those of us wearing the garnet and black. And, uh, you know, we're going to have a little bit of a therapy session and break it all down. I joke with people and tell them that the microphone is my therapist and you guys are my audience and that we use this as a little bit of a therapy time to vent, to voice frustrations, to um, just just go through it all together. So, again, I, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Hope everyone's having a fantastic Monday. Um, whenever you're listening to this, hope everybody's having a great Monday. Before we get into everything, a couple housekeeping items first. If you have not done so, click the pause button, whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever it may be, click the pause button, go rate the show, go leave five stars, leave your thoughts, your feedback, your concerns, what you like, what you don't like, whatever, but please go rate the show. It helps boost up the podcast. Maybe those that have not heard of the Spurs Up show, it's going to help them find it. Um, and I really do appreciate it. I know a lot of you have already done that. We're up to almost 300 reviews now, which is awesome. Um, but I want to keep growing that. So if you just don't mind, just take five seconds out of your day, click the pause button, leave five stars. I truly do appreciate it. Also, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not subscribed to the show, I don't know what you're doing, be sure to click the pause button. Again, take five seconds. Just hit that subscribe button. You're going to get the daily notifications about the daily podcast, which drops Monday through Friday. So be sure you are subscribed. Also, this week, this Saturday night, South Carolina, Alabama, Gamecocks travel to Tuscaloosa. But what's happening in Columbia is what's noteworthy. Gamecock fans, if you're in Columbia, the Spurs Up Show watch party at Cotton Gin. Doors open at 8, tip off at 8.30. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have a blast. It's after the Clemson baseball game on Saturday as well. So it's going to be a really, really good time for everybody to come out there. We can drink some beers, have some fun, watch the Gamecocks hopefully beat Alabama and get maybe one step closer to trying to get themselves in the NCAA tournament if that's still a possibility. But either way, be sure to come out. We're going to have a great time. Obviously, I'm going to be out there, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're in the Columbia area, if you're going to be in Columbia, maybe you're in Columbia for the baseball game, come out to Cotton Gin. Doors open at 8 o'clock. Tip-offs at 8.30. That's Saturday night, February the 29th. We're going to have a really, really good time at Cotton Gin. Be sure to check it out. Um, all right. Let's jump right into it. We'll start with basketball like we did last week. Um, <clears throat> Gamecocks falling to LSU 86-80. to 80. You know, my, my thoughts on this game, guys, and I was in the building, and I thought, that, you know, first things first, shout out to the crowd. The atmosphere was great. I thought Gamecock fans really showed up and made it a great environment for college basketball, like I expected them to do. But I'm going to say a lot of the same things that I said on the post-game video, um, the post-game reaction video. And first things first is you have to tip your cap to LSU. I think LSU guys watching that game, watching how it unfolded, you know, you lose 86 to 80, you lose by six, but that game was never close in the second half. I, I mean, that, that game was never close. We, we got thoroughly beat. There's no other way to put it. We got thoroughly beat by LSU. Um, LSU made it very clear and evident they're a better basketball team. And I mean, that's not to sit here and say we're not a good team. That's not what that means at all. But there's no way any logical person, because I know there's some people that are blinded by their garnet and black faith and they say, oh, we gave that game away. There's no way a logical human being can watch that game and say, oh, we were just as good as them. We just gave the game away. Guys, it was a 10 to 15 point game throughout the entire second half. I mean, at one point, I think it got to 20. So LSU took their foot off the gas pedal. We tried to make some late comeback, almost identical to the Mississippi State game. Too little, too late. But 
LSU is the better team. I mean, we talked about they have really good shooters. You know, they, they, they're they very talented, obviously, coming in this game. They were 19-7, and 9-4 uh, and four in conference, a very good team. And I think South Carolina got a little bit humbled Saturday night. Um, you take a look at this game. You know, the thing that, again, give all the credit to LSU. Give all the credit to LSU. The extremely talented, good team. But I, what I was most disappointed with was just the defensive effort, the overall defensive effort was really, really poor. I mean, listen, again, these guys have really, really capable shooters. When you leave them wide open, they're going to make shots. I mean, I don't think that's a surprise. I'm not, I'm not saying anything um, extraordinary there or, like, enlightening. Like, that's pretty obvious, right? They're going to make shots. Darius Days was a guy I did not expect to go off the way. He did 18 points. I swear to God, dude, Darius Days – he it felt like he was making everything four of six from three point range. I mean, the dude was lethal behind the line, lethal. Then you have Javante Smart with his 18 points. You throw in there with uh Trenton Watford. We talked a lot about him, the standout freshman. He had 15. But when you're leaving guys wide open, they're gonna make their shots. I mean, I think that's why South Carolina lost this game. And again, it was so surprising because I expected look, I mean, I expected a higher scoring game, don't get me wrong, but I expected the Gamecocks to play with a lot of defensive intensity, especially following up that Mississippi State game. I really thought South Carolina would come on with a chip on its shoulder, play physical, um, and kind of force the issue, I guess, with LSU defensively, and it could not. Um, there, were, there were a lot of mental breakdowns as well, which I was surprised at. I mean, I remember specifically in the game, I'm sure you guys remember, there was one play in particular which I don't, you know, I'm not trying to shit on Mike Coates or anything because he's been great for South Carolina this year, but there was just one play where I don't think he realized the ball was being inbounded, and LSU gets an easy three. A lot of their shots just too easy. It was just too easy at times. So I thought defensively, again, LSU shoots 44%, 39% from three-point range. That's where you lost it was defensively. On your side, though, you didn't shoot it well enough to win, 37% from the field. It's just not going to get it done. Um, You do shoot 36% from three, which I think late – um, Jair Bolden was able to hit a couple. He went three for six from three-point range. But overall, LSU just too much. Um, I was happy to see Keyshawn Bryant sort of have a bounce-back game, if you will, 15 points in the game, had 10 rebounds. He had a double-double. So, great to see him get going. You want to see that continue. But A.J. Lawson with 13 points. You know, not a bad night. Jermaine Kuznar with 15. Jair Bolden with 15. Um, the one thing I'll say about Bol- – excuse me, uh, Kuznar, though, I don't know what's up with him lately with these slow starts. Um, he, he has been – I mean, he had zero points, it felt like, forever, the first 10 minutes of the game or so. Um, you know, one thing I want to say I – know, guys, I know the refs were bad. You, you don't have to tell me how bad the refs were. I, I'm not going to sit there on social media and continue to bash the refs because I'm beating a dead horse at some point, right? I know they're bad. We all know they're bad. Too much of the whistle. There was too much of the whistle Saturday night. It's like that every game. but. You know, when you look at this game, again, I don't want to be someone that doesn't have much of a take on it, but, like, I think the take is LSU is just simply better than us. They were better. They're the better team. They beat us fair and square up and down the floor. Beat us up and down the floor. I think that the part of it that's so unfortunate is you had the opportunity at home to get a huge win, and you squandered it. Um you know, South Carolina open as a one-point favorite. 
that line flipped over to LSU minus one. I told you guys before, when the line jumps like that, you either go and bet on the team it jumped to or you don't bet at all. LSU obviously covered. So, but again, that line basically a pick them. So people were expecting a close game. And you're unable to do it again. Give credit LSU. They're a really, really, really good team. You didn't go out there and lose to Stetson. You lost to LSU, who's a damn good basketball team. They're going to be a tournament team. They're going to give people fits. But, again, this, this entire season, it has just really, really surprised me that this team's biggest fault is its defense. Because Frank Martin teams are known for defense. They're known for defense. And to see the, us get gashed, I mean, we've, been, we've gotten just gashed a couple times this year. You know, it's, it's really, really surprising to me. So, again, you've got to find – like, listen, you came in the last week, and I said you want to split. And, and I, you do. I think going 0-2 sucks, really. But going into last week overall, after you beat Tennessee, when you just looked at this last stretch remaining, if you said you can lose two more games max, these, those were the two. Because you look at the schedule the rest of the way. You got Georgia at home, at Alabama, Mississippi State at home, at Vanderbilt. You can go 4-0 and there. Again, I know Mississippi State already beat you, but it was at their place. You can go 4-0 and there, no doubt. Some things have got to get fixed. You've got to play better defensively, but you've got a chance to rebound against Georgia, who you already waxed at their place. So you should win that game, in my opinion. So the NCAA tournament hopes are not completely dead. And that's me, obviously, guys, trying to be optimistic. I mean, you've listened to this show. You know that I have not been someone, even when we were winning, you know, even when we beat Tennessee last weekend and we had this conversation last Monday. I haven't been one that's been ready to proclaim this South Carolina team as a tournament team. You know, I'm predicting we're making the tournament. I always thought this team felt more like an NIT team. And I had this conversation with a friend of mine on a Friday night that gunned ahead, I would predict this team would be in the NIT, not the NCAA tournament. Because I, I believe more that we are bound to lose a game we shouldn't than take care of business, go undefeated through the regular season and win – one or two or maybe three in the SEC tournament. So, you know, I'm trying to be optimistic and say that the tourney hopes aren't totally dead. I mean, they're, they're almost as dead as they can be. Um, but, again, it's just unfortunate. You come home, you know, you have a great crowd, you, you have a missed opportunity in a big game. And, again, I know LSU's good. I, I'm not – you know, I give more credit to LSU than, say, our guys stink. You know what I mean? I, I think that's – I think that's the wrong attitude to have. Our guys don't stink. LSU is a good basketball team. They are. Now, I wish we wouldn't have gotten the brakes beat off us. That was, that was certainly disappointing. I, if nothing else, if you're going to lose, have a game come down to the wire. But LSU just took it to us. And when you play sloppy defense against a team that has the shooters and the talent LSU has, they're going to capitalize. They're going to make shots. That's one thing I will say about our shooters that I see too much of is we miss open looks especially a guy, A.J. Lawson, not to pile on him, but when you get an open look, man, you've got to nail it. And you're, especially when you are an outside shooter, that's your game. You got an open look, you got to hit it. You've got to hit it. You know, and these people talking about, well, will A.J. leave early? Like, are you crazy? He'd be stupider than P.J. Dozier was if he left early. Like, what? Unbel no, absolutely not. So, again, I'm not trying to pile on A.J., but overall as a team, 
we often just miss open jumpers way too often. LSU guys, when they were open, they hit them. They hit them. So I saw some mental mistakes as well. You know, I, I, as much as I like Trey Hannibal, he continues to be a liability as far as turnovers are concerned. Um, you know, making bad passes, you know, again, not trying to pile on Trey, but he, he he's a freshman. He's playing like a freshman. He's very reckless, out of control. He's got to somehow learn to harness it. He has to. I don't know how you can continue to put him out there if he doesn't because, again, he's turning into a liability. Um, Coats are not with his greatest night, 10 points. But overall, you know, wrapping up, I mean, I just think LSU was the better team. They were. And you knew they were the best team you had left to play on your schedule. So most of us knew this was going to be a tough one, probably going to be an L. But now you've got to find a way to rebound. You've already beaten Georgia. Alabama is one of those middle-of-the-pack SEC teams we, keep, we always talk about. But on the road, tough. Mississippi State at home, you got to get your revenge there. And then at Vanderbilt, don't sleep on that game. Tough place to play, but you should win that one. So you got to find a way to go 4 0. You absolutely have to. You lose any of these last four, your, your tourney hopes are dead, 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 dead. They're super dead. They're super dead. So you need to finish out strong. Tip of the cap to LSU. Unfortunate to squander an opportunity again at home in front of your home fans. But again, I credit more so LSU for how good they are than saying we suck. I think we're a pretty decent team. On our best night, we're a damn good team. On our worst night, we're terrible. So we're one of those weird teams that we're okay. But I think LSU is just, they're very good. (laughs) They were on a skid. They were due to break out of it, and they did against us. So it's all about how you bounce back from here on out. You got to go 4-0 to finish out. Um, All right, let's talk some count of baseball. Gamecocks losing two of three to Northwestern. Before we do, I want to tell you about my friends at Ag South Farm Credit because the Spurs Up show is brought to you by Ag South Farm Credit. Guys, most lenders don't understand land financing. Ag South Farm Credit specializes in land financing and has been doing it for over 100 years. They make loans for small and large acreage, hunting property, timberland, farm and pasture land, even home mortgages and construction. They have a ton of great benefits, including long-term fixed rate financing for 20 years, down payments as low as 15%. They have competitive rates and they pay an average of 25% of the interest back every year as what they call patronage. They're cooperative, so they share in their profits with their member borrowers. So guys, for example, on a $300,000 loan at 6.5% for 20 years, you would get back $2,770 each year. They have an experienced lending staff that knows land and knows how to finance. So guys, whether you're buying a house this year, next year, the year after, whatever it may be, you all know there's a lot that goes into it, right? You got it, whether it's your first house, your dream house, you're getting a plot of land, There's a ton of moving parts. You're spending a lot of money. You want to make sure you have the right people in your corner. They're going to make this decision as easy as possible. The transition seamless. They're going to be there to answer all your questions and take care of you. Ag South Farm Credit is that lender. Again, they're going to be there for you and with you every single step of the way. They're going to basically be holding your hand, guiding you through the process there to answer any questions. One of the questions they get asked most often, People will find a plot of land, 10, 20, 30 acres, whatever, that the people want to buy. How much do you need as a down payment, right? That's a big question. How much money do I need up front? How much do I have to put down? So typically they require a minimum of 15% down, but that'll ultimately be determined by term and other factors like your credit. So normally 
The longer the term, the bigger the risk, which is why they like a little more skin in the game on your end. So, guys, if you want any more information uh, on down payments, on anything else, any of their services, give them a call, 844-AG-SOUTH, or visit their website, agsouthfc.com slash T-S-U-S. Again, that's A-G-S-O-U-T-H-F-C.com slash T-S-U-S. Ag South on Equal Housing Lender and MLS 619-788. So, again, their website, agsouthfc.com slash T-S-U-S. Or give them a call, 844-AG-SOUTH, and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. All right, oh, let's talk here on a baseball. <laughs> I mean, that, that side pretty much says it all, right? Uh, Gamecocks dropping two of three to Northwestern. Um, I want to stress one thing because, again, I, I'm putting out the post-game reaction videos for every single game for baseball, which is, I think, a good thing because baseball is such a day-to-day game. Um, before the season, I was wondering, should I do post-series reactions or – Post game, and I, you know, I was like, you know what, post game, because so much happens in a series that I'd rather expand on the entire series as a whole in the podcast and do game by game uh, on social media. So, anyways, I'm going to reiterate what I said Friday night. You lose two or three to Northwestern, sucks, terrible, awful. We feel te- we feel terrible on this Monday. I feel awful. It hurts in my gut to think about it, to talk about it, guys. The season is not over. You can't throw away the season because you lost two of three on the second weekend. Does it suck? Yes. 110%. I am not denying or debating or anything. But, guys, I'm also not canceling the season. I'm not canceling the rest of the season. You got Clemson coming up this weekend. Then you got another non-conference series. Then you start SEC play. It's a lot of baseball left. I'm not saying don't be pissed off, don't cuss, don't kick, don't scream. I'm not saying that. But, see, guys, baseball is such a long season. I knew when we lost our first game it was going to happen. And it's not everybody. It's a, it's, a, it's a small group that are frustrated because of all the other sports are not doing as well as we'd all like, especially football. And then baseball having such a bad year they had last year, at the first sign of trouble, people are going to freak out. I get it. But the season's not over, okay? The season is not over. There's a lot of baseball left. But let's talk about this series. Some of the things that happened over the weekend that I saw, um, again, obviously you lose two of three. It's extremely disappointing in non-conference to a Big Ten team. One thing's first. Again, you guys hear me say this phrase a lot, tip of the cap. Give tip of the cap to Northwestern. Give credit to Northwestern. Northwestern, much better than I expected. Much better. Credit to their kids, too. Their guys showed up. I mean, their guys were fired up to play all weekend. They were fired up, playing with a ton of emotion. Overdoing it at times, in my opinion. Overdoing it. (laughs) Their little shortstop, third baseman, number one, whatever his name was, I'm glad I don't ever have to see him again. I don't ever see him again. But give their guys credit. They were much better than I expected. They had some arms who had some real stuff. They did just enough at the plate to get it done. And they played smart baseball for the most part. You know, you take a look at this South Carolina team, though, in this series. You know, I'm normally really, really tough on the pitching, like really tough, because that's my background is pitching. And, you know, as a pitcher, you believe, hey, if we don't let them score, we're going to win. If you keep them off the scoreboard, you'll win, period. If you throw up zeros, you're going to win. But, guys, it's got to start with the hitting. It has to. 
It has to, guys. In two games, in two games, through nine innings, through nine innings of play, you give up three runs on Sunday and one run on Friday. And listen, I said this after the Friday game. Friday, I more so looked at as one of those nights. I, I was at the ballpark. If you weren't there, that's probably one of the coldest I've been in my life, literally. Stayed the entire time. My feet were ice blocks. Again, that's one of the coldest I've been in my life. Miserable. Miserable night to hit. It was a miserable night to be a hitter. Really was. That was one I more so chalked up to, hey, man, it's just one of those, it's just one of those nights. One our night, miserable game. I'm not going to judge this team off of – I'm not going to judge this team off of, uh, you know, one game at Founders Park where it's like 38 degrees outside. But when you think about it this way, your pitching gives up one run through – and I know what happened, and I'm going to talk about a little bit what happened in the extra innings, the bullpen, so just bear with me. But when your pitching gives up one run through nine innings on Friday – and gives up three runs through nine innings on Sunday, you should win both of those games. There's no excuse. You have – in a, in a non-conference – now, if we're talking SEC play, okay, a little bit different. But in a non-conference game, in a non-conference game, you have to win. I mean, that's good, that's good enough to win. You have to win those games. Now, with that being said, what I can acknowledge, and you know, maybe I did not do a good enough job addressing this on the post-game reaction video on Sunday, but I can also acknowledge that when you're in a game and it's tied and you're in extras or whatever, especially on Sunday, when you have a 3-2 lead and you're going into the seventh, you got to lock down and hold on. You just you just have to. You got to lock down and hold on. You know, you went up three to one in the fifth. Went up three to one in the fifth. You need a shutdown inning. Give a run in the sixth. Home run. Solo shot. Whatever. Three to two. Cam Tringali comes in the seventh. You got to find a way to have a shutdown inning. Your seven, eight, nine's got to be solid. Got to hold them down. Trust me. Again. I agree 110%. But I want to, again, start with the hitting. You know, we saw the explosion on Saturday. Um, you know, you come out there, you score 12 runs, you win 12-3. to three. West Clark goes off, obviously, seven ribbies. But outside of that, I mean, I'm just seeing the approach is still very questionable to me. You know, Northwestern's guys, again, give them credit, were good. Their guys had good stuff. Their guys had much better stuff than I expected. But you're going to see better stuff than that in SEC play. I mean, there's just no question. You're going to see better stuff. I see a lot of our guys way too out in front on their front foot, swinging around the baseball, not staying inside, not being disciplined, not sitting back, driving the ball the other way. You know, not getting in favorable counts and not taking advantage. One thing that's still kind of irritating me is the overall offensive approach. I mean, guys, I know you're probably going to hate to hear me say this because a lot of you come from the school of hating Chad Holbrook. Why not try to drop a bunt down every now and then? Brady Allen, you're hitting 250. You're fast. Drop a bunt down. 
Don't be scared. Don't be scared to drop. Noah Campbell, even with the home run on Sunday, he had a good weekend. Had a really good weekend. I'd like to see him try to drop it every now and then more. I mean, if they're playing you even or behind the bag at third, that's a free base hit. It's a free base runner. And then the timely hitting. This team just did not have enough timely hitting this weekend. Not enough. That was the story on Friday, and that was really the story again on Sunday. You get guys on base, you can't get them in. You got to find a way. You got to find a way to get some timely hits. You know, last year, the biggest problem was you could sit there and say that it was a team that was relying on the home run. I don't even think that's the problem now. Because, like, I don't see – I don't think our guys are just selling out on hitting home runs, at least not in the way they were last year, in my opinion, where we had some guys in the lineup where it was just like, all right, this is either a strikeout or a home run, period. And, you know, that we're having some at-bats or we're hitting some hard hit. And I will say this. Again, this is not an excuse, but just something I observed. We had a ton of hard hit balls of the outfield this week, this weekend that were right at guys. A ton. And it seemed like every ball that Northwestern capped to the outfield was a base hit. So it was one of those weird weekends for sure in that regard. But the overall approaches have just got to get better. They've got to get better. They've got to. They've got to. I mean, you take a look again. You had the 12-run game on Friday. Great. But in the other two games, you score, you score five runs combined. It just – in a non-conference series – listen, in SEC play, it's different. But in a non-conference series against Big Ten pitching, that cannot happen. Cannot happen. Just can't. And that's what I'm saying. I'm putting more of this on the hitting than the pitching. Five runs in two games, guys. I mean, yeah, I'd love to win 2 nothing and 3 nothing, But, I mean, God, it's baseball. They're bound to get a knock, bound to get a run. So, the hitting's got to be better, 100%. You know, I, I thought we kind of saw South kind of go away from some of the small ball stuff, some of the hit and runs, some of the, you know, stealing bags. We didn't see that as much. I want to continue to see that. Don't go away from it. We need to be a team that can man like you should be able to manufacture a run. I know it's not as easy as I'm making it sound, but we need to do a better job at that. The one thing I will say, and again, my, my biggest thing with fans saying the season's over, I continue to be extremely impressed, and I am just I'm still so optimistic about the starting pitching, especially. I would say the pitching overall, but the starting pitching especially. I mean, Carmen, phenomenal. Deserved to get the win. It's a shame he didn't the way he pitched. You know, Brett Carey, Mark Kingston talked about, you know, he was a guy threw up for the game, threw, or threw up after breakfast or something, was not feeling good, was sick, didn't have his best stuff. He gives you six strong. Brandon Jordan, I, he, can, he, he can get – Brandon can get a lot better, had nine strikeouts. He can get a lot better. I'd like – you know, I thought he was a little bit up in the zone on Sunday. But overall, six strong. I mean, guy gives up two runs. Two, gives up two runs and strikes out nine. You'll take that every time out. You'll take that every time out. 
So, and, and I guess the reason it, it really encourages me is because, I mean, even if you're not good at the plate, if you have great pitching and good defense, you can win a lot of ball games, even at the college level. So I'm impressed with those guys. As far as the relievers, I still like Danny Lloyd a lot. I still like Graham Lawson a lot. That's the two guys that were getting the heat of it. For Danny, you know, people saying they left him in too long on Friday, which I would – I did not have a ton of gripes about that because he's your dude. Who do you want to put in? Danny's your guy. You got to give him a chance out there. That's your dude. Guy throws 95 with an 88-mile-an-hour slider. You trust him. You got to trust him. You got to trust him in that situation. And then Graham on Sunday, listen, I get it. You got to come out and throw strikes. There's no excuse to come out of the bullpen and not fill up the zone and throw strikes. That's your job. If nothing else, come in and throw strikes. Do I still feel really good about those two guys in the back end? Yes. Yes, I do. Their stuff is as good as anybody's in the country. I feel still, I still feel really good about the relief pitching. But there's a lot of little things that have got to get fixed. The pass balls. You know, I, I wrote down here errors, but it's really not even errors in the field. It's, you know, something as small as Brandon Jordan throws the ball away. I mean, Northwestern had a run without a hit. That type of stuff just can't happen. That cannot happen. Good baseball teams do not do that. They don't. So those little things have got to get fixed. And like Mark Kingston said Sunday after the game, you hope to learn these lessons in wins and not losses. But unfortunately, South kind of learned it the hard way. You lose two of three, you know, rumblings in the fan base. A lot of people don't think Kingston's the guy. Whatever. Comes with the job. You lose two or three to Northwestern, you're going to get that heat. I'm not saying I can have sympathy for you. There's a lot of little things that have got to get fixed. I still, again, I still feel good about the pitching. I still feel good about the defense. But the hitting's got to improve. It just has to. It just has to. There's no excuse for scoring five runs in the two other games. There's just no excuse, guys. Again, the pitching's got – everybody has to do their jobs better. That's the best way I can summarize this weekend. You know, we can talk pitching, hitting. De- everyone has got to do their jobs better at a higher level. Everyone. From the coaching staffs, from the coaching staff, Kingston to me, the way he's calling games, the way he's using guys, handling those situations, to the guys actually on the field. They've all got to do a better job. In, in a weird positive spin, I'm hoping this is something that wakes this team up. Get an early wake-up call. Hopefully. I, I, that's what I'm hoping for. You know, you got North Florida Tuesday. You got Clemson this upcoming weekend. If you got to get motivated for that when you don't have a pulse and you shouldn't be out there. So I don't question that. But I hope this is a bit of a wake-up call. You know, because we were just kind of rolling through, just picking on these little guys, Holy Cross, P- PC. Northwestern's not a not a world beater. They probably would have the same SEC record we had last year. But they came out and were fired up all three games and played inspired baseball, and they just beat us. They just flat out beat us. So, it's got to get fixed. It's got to get figured out, and it's got to get figured out real quick. No questions asked. It's got to get figured out really, really quick. All right, let's move on. Spurs Up Show Series MVP for this series. Um, 
losing two or three sucks, but we do have a series MVP, and that is Wes Clark. Um, really did most of his damage on Saturday. Four for ten, two homers, seven RBIs, had the grand slam. I was really proud of Wes just simply the way he bounced back. I mean, Friday night, guys, he looked terrible. I mean, there's you know, there's no other way to put it. Um, that's not me, like, dogging him or hating on him, but he had a bad night. 0 for 3 with three strikeouts, a lot of questionable swings. Again, he really bounces back, goes 4 for 10 on the weekend, two bombs, seven rubies, grand slam. Definitely worthy of the series MVP honor. I talked about Noah Campbell earlier, and who's hot? It is Noah Campbell. Four for 11, a home run, three ribbies. And his outs are hard outs. His outs are hard outs. I'm loving what I'm seeing from Noah Campbell. And, you know, it, it couldn't have happened to a better guy as far as the quick start, the good start. You know, we talked all preseason who needs to get off to a good start and how badly he needed it. He's certainly done that and more. Had the big three-run homer on Sunday. Really, really impressed with Noah Campbell and really happy to see it for him as well. Who's not? I mean, you got to go with Jeff Heinrich. I mean, two for 12. Um, did have his first career hit on Saturday. Had a two-RBI single. But um, – and then he'd have a, hit, have a base hit Sunday. But overall, Jeff's struggling the plate. There's no way to put it. He is struggling the plate. Um, I know he's filling in for Brennan Malone right now, and who knows when Brennan will be back. But – Guys, I, I like Jeff Heinrich. I, I thought he balled out in the scrimmages. I really did. I, I thought he was a, a real player, a guy who was competing and is still competing to play second base. But you got to hit better, man. You, you got to hit better. Two for 12 over the weekend is just not going to get it done. Um, already talked about what's next, you know, Tuesday or tomorrow, if you will. You have the midweek game against North Florida, and then you get ready for Clemson. Um, you get ready for the Clemson series. I know I'm fired up for it. I know fans will be fired up. You got Clemson at Founders Park Friday night, Sager Park Saturday, at their place Sunday. You know, it'll be, you know, we'll obviously break it down a lot more on the Thursday show, but it'll be an opportunity to, listen, you go beat Clemson two of three, it's going to soften the blow of losing to Northwestern. It just is. You go sweep Clemson, people forget about it. Won't even, won't even be like this past weekend didn't even happen. But it's a big week. It's a big, big week. Big week for South Carolina baseball. So, you got to find a way to figure it out, to turn it around. You got to. We'll see if they can. All right, let's move into something that, you know, I kind of teased on social media. And something I was talking to, talking to a buddy about, I believe it was, yeah, it was Saturday night. And just something I sort of wanted to discuss. And I, I'm not sure where this conversation's. well, I know where it's going to go, but you know, it's sort of more of an open forum thing. And this is a conversation that I'm sure has gone on long before me and will continue to go on, hopefully not too long after me, but will probably continue to go on and rage on. And that is my thoughts just on the current state of USC athletics. I, guys, I think we're at a real, a real, real crossroads. And it's almost kind of fitting that we lost this weekend and that I'm now having this conversation with you guys. Because we're at a real crossroads as an athletics department, in my opinion. And I'm talking about the big three sports especially. You know, you take a look. I, you know, I think one of the biggest – and I think one of the biggest problems and why people, whether it be on social media or what have you, have beef with me and the things I say and just being honest about – you know, the current state of things. You know, a lot of people label – not a lot of people, but there's a few people that label me. They think I'm like the the fire coaches guy. I want everybody fired. Like, oh, you just – you know, oh, you, you, you're you the fire must champ, and all you, 
you know, you talk about Frank, you want him fired, and you're probably going to be about Kingston next. Guys, we're just – we're in a very weird spot right now. Um, you could really – I mean, the, I don't know of many, many other athletic departments where – and I like Kingston. Listen, I want to preface this. I like Kingston. I, I think he's the guy. I, I, I still do. I'm not on that fire Kingston train. Like, we need to see more. I like Frank Martin. I'm not necessarily – you know, I'm not uh, holding, up the, holding up the sign to fire Frank Martin. We know how I feel on Muschamp. But the other two, I'm not necessarily there. But we're in a spot right now where you could realistically make an argument to me of why we should fire all three coaches for our men's sports. You really could. And that's a weird spot to be in. And I said earlier, I think we're at a crossroads. Guys, this next decade for Gamecock Athletics, in my opinion, will probably be the most important decade ever in USC sports history. I truly believe this is going to be the decade where we either nut up and figure it out and do what needs to be done to win and win at a high level. I'm not talking about winning six games in football or barely making it to the NIT in basketball or making it to the postseason in baseball one every three years or whatever. We're either going to nut up and do what it takes and make the changes necessary to win big, or we are going to slip into the abyss of mediocrity. We're going to become Vanderbilt, with all due respect to the Commodores. We're going to become those programs we talk about, the Kentuckys, the Vanderbilts. We're going we're gonna to go to that. We're going to slip into the abyss of mediocrity. You know, and I, and I, I th- th- really when this thought came up was after the basketball game on Saturday night. Because here's my dilemma, guys. Again, I am not sitting here. I've never tweeted fire Frank Martin once. I haven't. But I will say this is I follow that up with this. The reason you've never seen me say fire Frank Martin, number one, I think he's a good coach. I don't dislike Frank. I think he's a good coach. But one of the reasons you haven't seen me so much do that is, guys, I don't even know what the expectations are for South Carolina basketball. I don't. Like, what should I be happy with? You know, what is the goal? What are the standards and the expectations? Should we expect to make the NCAA tournament? Should we expect to be in the NIT? Should we just want to go over 500? Like, what are the expectations? Because I'll be honest with you guys. Again, that's why you don't see me get that upset. You know, because I'll be you know, my expectations for South Carolina basketball, I'll just be completely honest, they're very low. They are. They're very, very low. The only sport at South Carolina, which if you want to throw women's basketball in here, that's totally fine, but I'm mainly talking about the big three right now. The only sport at South Carolina where we have a culture of winning and a culture of expectations of excellence is baseball. So I can respect, and I, and I love that. I love that. That's one of my favorite things about baseball at South Carolina 
that is the only sport, guys, for me that every year we come into a new season, in my head, I'm like, we could win a title. If things, you know, if, if these guys pan out and things go our way, we get on a roll, we can win a national title. We've done it before. We've done it before. And I think that's why I'm so hard on Muschamp. Because Spurrier set a new standard. He did. He set a new standard. But, and again, I was talking to a buddy about this on Saturday night. If you want to, here's, before I even say this, I'm kind of all over the place, I know, guys, but bear with me. Sometimes I genuinely question our commitment to winning. And again, I feel like I'm probably saying things that the old heads listening to this, they're like, I've been a Gamecock fan for 30, 40 years. I, I'm, trust me, this has been an ongoing conversation. But I'm, I'm kind of starting to question our commitment to winning. And that's a scary thing. That's scary to, to be doing. Because, again, you can sit here and say that, oh, this, and, and I, again, I'm not on the fire Frank Martin train. But you can sit here and say, oh, like, you know, I mean, we like Frank a lot. He develops, he develops boys and the young men and all oh, changes their lives and all this good stuff. And Will Muschamp, he's great in the community and he's a great recruiter and blah, 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 blah. You can say all that. But what are the expectations at South Carolina? What are they? There has to be some sort of change. There has to be expectations. There has to be. If you want uncommon results, you must do uncommon things. So there has to be some sort of change going into this new decade, starting off this new decade. Again, I think it's early for Kingston. I'm not on the fire. And again, I'm, I'm really not on the fire frame, aren't you? But we're having an open, candid, honest conversation. That I, I do question our commitment to winning. Because whatever you allow to, to, to slide, that's you saying we're okay with this. So people ask me, Chris, well, what would you do? And, and I know, here's the thing. South Carolina fans... It, this is we, we could say this for different, you know, all the different sports. But we're talk, we'll talk specifically basketball for just a second. And you know this is true. Our fans are so terrified, scared shitless to go back to the Darren Horn days, to slip back into that mediocrity. I think that's one of the reasons why people hold on and clinch to Frank Martin so bad. That and because – Believe it or not, for a lot of Gamecock fans, that Final Four run was their favorite moment as a fan ever, ever, over everything. That was their favorite moment, that run. But at some point, guys, it has to be about winning. It has to. The people in that room that have much greater power than you, than I, because people ask, well, Chris, what would you do? I'm going to give you the plan of action. I'm going to give it to you. You need to have a clear-cut conversation and clearly establish for each of your athletics programs, these are the minimum expectations. Because, first off, if the goal is not to win the conference, if the goal is not to win titles, what are we doing? Like, listen, hey, if the goal for South Carolina football is to not win an SEC championship, please let me know in advance so I can stop paying for tickets. 
so I can stop going to the games. Because, I, listen, I'm a fan to a fault. Die hard till the end of it. But I want to see a winner. I, I don't, I don't want, I'm, I'm, I'm want to see a winner. I'm not just one of these going to show up, we go 0-11 every single year. We need a product. Fans need a product. You can only take so much as a fan. But there needs to be a clear-cut establishment of what said expectations are. What are the expectations? And my, God, my favorite thing, and I see it on social media, and I hear it from South Carolina fans. Saw it Saturday night after the basketball game. The thing that drives me nuts, and I, this is not the first time I ever saw it. I mean, I've heard it over and over and over. It's almost like, I'll, I'll be honest, I think Gamecock fans, I think a lot of them don't feel like we even deserve to win or that we deserve to have a winning team because we're, because we're Gamecocks. I think that's how a lot of people think. It's sickening. And a lot of people try to justify when Will Muschamp loses a game or when Frank Martin loses. Again, you guys heard my take on LSU. Give, give them credit. Season's not over. We got four games. Who knows what's going to happen? We, we, might, we might go undefeated. Win three, we might go win the SEC tournament, go to, go, to the, go, to the, uh, go to the tournament. We might. We might do it. But what annoys me is when we lose a game or we have a season like last year, for example, where we're a decent team, we're not terrible, we're not great, you know, we, oh, we, we, but we finished fourth in the SEC or third in the SEC or whatever the hell the record was. But people want to justify current day not meeting expectations in current day by telling you how bad it was 20 years ago. Well, man, we're lucky to be in this position. We could be with Darren Horn. Hey, this USC basketball program, it ain't made the tournaments as before Raymond got here. We only made it four times or whatever the hell it is. We only made it six times until we turn. Same thing with Muschamp. Oh, Muschamp inherited a dumpster fire. Oh, man. I mean, God, Carolina football, we, we're bad for 100 years. So if we win seven games. I mean, we can't complain. That's what it sounds like. I don't come from that, that school of thought. I just don't come from that. Going into this decade, there needs to be clear cut what the – hey, these are the expectations. These are our standards and our expectations. If you don't meet them, we will get someone else in here who can meet them. So, for example, Frank Martin. I like him. think he's a good dude. Is he crazy? Yeah, he's crazy. He's a lunatic. Good basketball coach, though. Good basketball coach. But he's crazy. But with Frank Martin, you know, he's liked by fans. He's liked by administration. He's a good dude. He molds boys to men, all that good stuff. That's not enough to keep your job. There needs to be clear. Hey, I guess if the expectations are only make the NCAA tournament once every eight years, nine years, then cool. So be it. Make those expectations clear, though. Because, again, to me, it does not feel like winning is the most important thing. And if winning's not the most important thing, why the hell are we doing this in the first place? Why the hell are we showing up to games? Why are fans paying hard-earned money for it? 
Why? Why? Because again, the way you build a culture, what you allow to go and slide, it's like anything else, business, life, relationships, whatever. If you're in a relationship with somebody and that person cheats on you, I know this is how to, kind of an extreme example. That person cheats on you though and you forgive them, you are setting, you are building a culture of it is okay for me to do that because I will get away with it. Okay, same thing here. If you set a culture of, well, as long as you pull some upsets and, you know, we just barely missed the tournament, like, you're okay. Then that's the result you're going to get. It is. With Will Muschamp saying, and I guess the thing with Will Muschamp, thank God, thank God that this is a thing that, if he has a bad season, he's getting fired. No question. You're not going to be able to spin it. You're not going to be able to convince fans that it's on the up and up. No, he's getting fired. No question. But going and starting off this decade, again, there need to be clear-cut expectations. Because, again, right now, and people hate it. People can come at me and say whatever. Oh, you're negative. You want to fire everybody. Guys, we are in a situation where you could justify it. You could justify cleaning the entire athletic department out. Clean them out. Guys, these people get paid millions of dollars to do a job, and that's to win. That should be the most important thing. I don't care about development of young that yeah it's important it's great to have that in your organization Dabo Sweeney I god forbid I bring this up even on the show Dabo Sweeney and Clemson football they're notorious for doing it but if you think you think if Clemson wasn't winning Clemson fans would be pounding their chest about it and their culture and all that not a chance He'd be a used car salesman that people would get sick of. The shtick works when you're winning. Frank Martin being a psychopath on the sidelines. looks It's funny when you're winning. Oh, it's just Frank being Frank. But when you're not, it's a problem. And again, I'm not even trying to single out Frank Martin. I'm saying as a whole, USC Athletics, as a whole, I mean, this is Tanner, this is Castlin, whatever. We're in a very interesting spot right now. We are in a very, very interesting spot right now, guys. Again, I said earlier, that attitude of, well, man, we were terrible this year. We were terrible X, Y, Z years ago. So, you know, we should be thankful for just being average. Now, that is the attitude that cripples this athletic department. You know what the enemy of great is? The enemy of great is good. That's what it feels like sometimes, that, oh, just be good enough to keep fans interested in coming to games. You don't really have to win the SEC. It's not a big – and I know, okay, people on social media, well, you got to keep context to what happened. And Why does what happened in 2000 have any, have any impact on the way I should feel right now? You're one of the top revenue producers in the country. 
And the, the conversation of how much we spend on recruiting, that could be a whole separate show. That right there proves it to me. You don't, winning's not the most important thing. Listen, guys, USC is a business. It's a bit, it is a business to the core. That's what it is. A lot of money changing hands. A lot of people are getting paid a lot of money. And guess what? What it feels like to me right now, you want my honest opinion? As long as them checks keep cashing, they ain't going to do a damn thing different. Not a damn thing. Why? Why would you? That money's still good. There has to be some – I don't know if it's going to come from Castlin. I don't know the fans can really do anything. There has to be some change, though. And, again, I don't really know what sparked this thought in my head after the basketball game. But I think it was really just the – just the man, like, what are the expectations of this program? I mean, really, what are they? Should I be upset? Should I not be? Because, again, your culture is what you allow. So, fans, hey, if you want to be loyal to a fault, I don't – listen, that's what makes South Carolina fans great. Love South Carolina fans. Best in the country. Best. They put up with more shit than anybody. But if you want to be loyal to a fault, because I, what drives – what I think is so funny, and I'm really just starting to rant now, guys, but I just have to get this off my chest. I think what's so funny about college athletics in general is people treat the kids like they're, 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 they're the, the, the players like they're their kids and the coaches are like family, like your uncle. Bro, these, this is a business. These college kids know what they're signing up for when they come to play at a big-time school like South Carolina, and these coaches are getting paid very much, very much. They're getting paid a lot. You made a lot of money. For what? That's my question. Is our goal to win the SEC, yes or no? That's what I would ask Ray Tanner, Bob Caslin, everyone. Right now, if I could look them in the face, is our true goal, is it our number one objective to bring a championship to Columbia, South Carolina, yes or no? And tell me why, because I don't believe it anymore. I don't believe it. I truly don't. Again, I think we're at a crossroads right now as a program. This next decade is going to be probably, again, the most important one we've had in our history. We're either going to nut up, figure it out, make changes, make necessary changes. Hey, Frank, like you a lot. Great dude. You're not, hey, you have expectations. Those were not met. We got to part ways. Sorry. It's a business. Don't take it personal. But who are you going to get? Who are you going to hire? There are people that are paid a lot of money to figure that out. It's not, hey, that ain't my problem. The people making millions of dollars, that's their problem. And if you don't want that job, give it, give it to somebody else. They'll take it. Terrible, terrible excuse, by the way. Oh, who are you going to hire? Like, uh, What do you mean? You're South Carolina, one of the top revenue producers in, in the country. You're in the SEC, the best conference in the country. You, you have a great fan base. You have great facilities. What do you mean who are you going to go get? Why, why, do fan, why do South Carolina fans have this doom and gloom like, 
Oh, nobody wants to come to old poor South Carolina. We just, we can't get nobody to come. You know, God, who the hell, who would we get? What do you mean? What do you mean who would we get? You know what's fun? Like, I almost, with baseball, I almost respect the fans being so irate and pissed off after a series loss in Northwestern. You know why they're so pissed off? Because we have a culture of winning and a culture we've built those expectations. Omaha's the goal. Get to Omaha or get the fuck out. That's it. And if Kingston can't get it done, he's going to get out. Bottom line, you're making, you're making too much money to not get the job done. If you want uncommon results, do uncommon things. Listen, do I think firing a head football coach after two seasons is the best move maybe? No. But FSU, when they did that, you know what they told me? When Arkansas did that, you know what they told me? Winning is the most important thing. It is. It's the most important thing. Not not good recruiting classes, not, you know – graduation rate, not being a good Samaritan in the community, not getting along with the BOT and getting along, being butt buddies with the AD. None of that. Winning. Winning. Is, is winning the most important thing at USC to the higher-ups and to the people that it matters to? Is, is, is winning driving every decision that we make? Or is it something else? Because, again, as an outside observer, and, and it's, a, it's a sad almost feeling to have when I have to question that. Again, you can, you can cuss, you can hate me, you can kick and scream. Hey, you can approach me at a bar and tell me how much you dislike me. Happened. Happened to me over the weekend. Maybe that's another reason why I'm having this conversation. You can cry and moan to me about how mean I am. It's fine. Whatever. Sure. Go right ahead. Don't blame me. USC Athletics, look at the, just look at the position we are in. We are in sports purgatory, ladies and gentlemen. College sports purgatory. And again, baseball is still yet to be seen. I still feel good about Kingston and what he's doing. But especially in football and basketball, we are in sports purgatory. We're condoning. We're allowing average. We are. We are. We're allowing it. We're saying it's okay. With Will Muschamp. And hey, if it's harsh, so be it. But with Frank Martin. Because honestly, if you miss the tournament this year, he ought to be fired. I'm just going to say that right now. I like Frank. I think he's a good coach. But, man, at some point, there have got to be expectations. There have to be. Expectations is what drives everything. We're not going out there to have fun. This is not about having fun or creating a good game day experience or pulling off a random upset. It's about winning titles and winning big, and getting closer and closer and closer to that goal. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't be young every year. You can't be young and injured. That's the number one excuse. That is South Carolina fans ace in the hole. We've been young for three straight years with Frank Martin. 
There have to, when you, hey, everybody listening to this, when you showed up to your job this morning or when you showed up to class, there are certain expectations that must be met. And if they are not, you will pay the price. You'll get fired. You'll get an F, whatever it may. Hey, there's expectations in a relationship. If you don't meet them, guess what? You're going to be single. Boom. Something like that. Why are there not expectations that are strictly, strictly enforced with South Carolina athletics? Because if you guys think I want to sit here and bitch and moan about the latest loss in Gamecock sports, you are mistaken, my friend. If you think I want to sit through another football season like last year and have to record a show on Sunday every week, you are sorely mistaken. I want to win. Again, and that's why I love USC baseball so much because that is the one sport we have an expectation of winning. Average is not good enough. It is not. It is frowned upon to be average. South Carolina baseball, it is frowned upon. So what's going to change? I, 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 you know, again, I'm just a guy with a podcast. There's, I, I don't really know there's anything fans can do. But this de- again, this decade is going to tell us a lot. I mean, this decade, we are either going to figure it out, make necessary changes, maybe do some uncommon things, some, unor- some unorthodox things to change the narrative, and we're going to create real expectations where people, if they don't meet them, pay the price. Or we are going to slip into the abyss and never be heard from again. We're going to become a joke. Really, we are. We're going to become a laughing stock. So, hey, maybe the uncommon thing is to fire all three of the coaches. I don't know. I don't make those decisions. But maybe it is. Maybe it's to keep them all. Hell, I don't know. Something's got to happen, though, man. This this entire athletics department because hey man i love women's basketball as much as the next guy love the success and so please do not take this the wrong way but any rational fan knows when we're having to hang our hat for the entire athletics department on women's basketball that's not a good thing guys it's not a good thing why can the women's sports do so well and the men's not It's not a good thing. It needs to change. Will it? I don't know. But I I like, I I really do feel like a lot of the fan base feels that way. You know, and again, I just, I haven't broken in a sense. It it just pains me because I love South Carolina. I'm a diehard. Love it. But it pains me to think, like, you know what? Man, I don't, I don't think they care about winning like we – I don't think winning is the most important thing. I don't, I don't think winning is driving every decision made, because it should. Every decision should be made because we want to win. Period. So – 
we'll see what happens. I mean, I, you know, we'll see. <laughs> All we can do is continue to hope, voice our frustrations, and, you know, see what happens. Again, I, I don't know. I've said my piece. Said my piece. Couple news and notes really quickly. Uh, South Carolina women's basketball, SEC champs. Congratulations to Dawn Staley's crew beating Kentucky Sunday afternoon. Dawn Staley also getting her 300th win. Like I said, in, a, in an athletics department that is so lost at the moment, we are so blessed to have Dawn Staley in that team. So kudos to them. Uh, hockey beating Clemson on Friday night. Good job, boys. Getting the dub. Um, also, Brian Edwards to miss the NFL combine. This is unfortunate news. Missing the combine. A foot injury is going to keep him out. Um, it sucks because I think the combine was actually very important for a guy like him. Um, we'll see how much it impacts it, but overall, he will be missing the combine. So we'll see how that impacts his draft stock. Uh, here we go. Listener questions. Got a good bit of them. Jack.Haley1121. With everyone healthy and playing our best ball, how far do you think we get in the SEC tournament? <sighs> I mean, I think we'll win a game. I think we at least win a game. I, I want to believe that. I want to believe we'll at least win a game. We'll see how it goes, though. Um, Ramsey Smith, 6-4-3. Are we making the tournament? At this point, I'm going to say no. I think NIT is much more realistic. Um, Andrew underscore the underscore textbook. Does South Carolina need to win out now in order to have any chance of making the tourney? I'd say yes. I, I don't look at the schedule and say, oh, you can afford a loss there. You lost the two you could afford. That's it. You lost the two you could afford. You got to win out. Ben Smitty, 2017, do you think we should fire Frank? He's not bad, but we can't get in the tournament. I literally that, – that entire rant I just had. I like Frank. I think he's a good coach. I'm not sitting here saying fire Frank Martin. I'm not on the fire Frank Martin train. But at some point, there have to be expectations. There have to be. Hey, if, if the expectations just to be over 500 and be – Average, just slightly above average, but not good enough to get in the tournament, then, hey, Frank Martin, put him in the South Carolina Hall of Fame. He's a great coach. But if the, but the, but if the expectation is actually to win and get in the tournament, there might need to be a change for sure. Ben Smitty, 2017, again, if Dawn can win big, there's no reason any other sport at USC can't win big either. I agree. I, I agree 100%. Trust me. Agree 110%. CP3 underscore presents. Will Frank Martin be fired if he fails to make the tournament or will making the NIT cool his seat down? Yeah, I think that's where you throw a wrench in everything. You make the NIT, so say you win a game or two. You know, I'd have no, I would have no problem with bringing Frank back next year. None. Would have no problem with it. Again, though, I just think at some point, like you need to have expectations. I mean, is the goal to make the NCAA tournament or is it not? That's what you have to ask yourself. Because if it is, you've only made it one of eight. I don't care that it was the final four. You made it one of eight. If that's the goal, that has to be hit. Bottom line. Um, Landon underscore Camham. Will Gamecocks get national championships in all sports and football? At this point, no. Baseball is probably our best bet. I mean, besides women's basketball. Women's basketball, for sure, this season, we should, we should win it. But football, I'm, again, things have got to change, man. they got to change big time. 
Brendan underscore Smith 47. It was awesome to meet you at the bas- the baseball game. Made my day, man. Brendan, appreciate you, man. And everybody that said what's up this weekend, by the way, really appreciate y'all. It means a lot, seriously. I, I really do appreciate it. Um, Thomas underscore Brady underscore H. Was it just me or did Frank Martin seem off at the LSU game? He did not seem himself. I, I, I thought he was fine. I mean, I, you know, I thought he was fine. Um, yeah, I, I thought he was fine. I, I don't know. I, I thought he was fine. B underscore Arthur 25. Thoughts on Mark Kingston? Listen, jury's still out. If this team misses the postseason this year, that will be a huge, and I mean a huge red flag for me. Huge. I think he's back a thousand percent either way next season, and it'll be a situation where if he misses it again next year, he's obviously fired. No questions asked. But I think I still like Kingston. He's a baseball guy. Like, I still think he can win big here. And you think of all the hires that Ray Tanner would get the baseball one right. So let's let it, let's let it play out. I think the jury's still out on Mark Kingston. He's in year three. You had a super regional year. You had an awful year. Now year three. Here you go. What are you going to show me? You got to get, you got to get back to the postseason. You got to. Brian Furtick Jr. Why do some fans settle for mediocrity when it comes to Gamecock athletics? Brian, I try not to be too harsh on the fans, but Brian, you bring up something interesting. And I think the reason that some people, that, that a, a, a fair amount of the, a fair portion of the fan base, I think the reason you see that a lot of times, like I said earlier, and I, it's a sick and twisted mentality. I think there are South Carolina fans that don't feel like we deserve to win. Oh, the chicken curse. Ah, oh, the chicken. They don't, I don't think they believe we deserve to have a winner. I really, I don't know how else you could justify it. You know, there's always an excuse. You know, and I I think they, after so many years of disappointment, there are people that just have to, that they break. Like, you know what? We're always going to be average. We'll always be mediocre, whatever. I'm just going to enjoy it and be a Gamecock fan and be loyal to a fault. And that's great. But I, I think that's what it comes down to, man. And I'm not – listen, like, I'm not sitting here saying if you hire a new football coach, he don't win the SEC in year one, fire him. But there have to be clear-cut expectations of what we demand, what we want, where the program needs to go. Because, again, if your goal's not to win the SEC, what are you doing? Like, what is the goal? What is the goal? Hey, God, I mean, think about this, guys. Will Muschamp, what's his mantra? Beat the East, win the state. Beat the East, win the state. You've won the East zero times. You've won the state zero times. Is that, is that harsh to hold him to that standard? Yes, it is. But if those are the goals and the expectations, I mean, you know, just saying. Just saying, man. Last question, Matt Keller underscore Mateo. Do you think if Carolina makes a run in the SEC tournament, will they make it to the NCAA tournament? I think you've got to go undefeated the rest of the regular season. You've probably got to win a couple in Nashville. 
outside of that, who knows? I mean, it's all net rankings and these guys making their pick, you know, the, 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 the whatever the committee is that decides who goes in, you got to at least do that at minimum, in my opinion. So, yep. Appreciate the listener questions. Got a fantastic interview, former Gamecocks lefty Nolan Belcher, two-time national champion. Um, phenomenal conversation with Nolan, a great dude. I, I just He's at CFC now coaching with Chad Holbrook. Uh, really glad to see good things happening for Nolan. So phenomenal conversation, guys. Be sure to stay tuned for that, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Guys, whatever you need tickets to, South Carolina Gamecocks sporting events, concerts, comedy club events, this is actually a big week in Columbia. We got Carolina Clemson baseball. We got Post Malone at the CLA Saturday night, but don't go to that because you got to go to the watch party Saturday night. But everything else, concerts, comedy club events, professional sporting events, whatever it may be, download the SeatGeek app and go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to save $20 off your first purchase. Guys, like I said, they've got tickets to literally anything and everything. They've got a great ticket rating system as well, which rates the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting. So never again, you've got to scalp. You're not going to overpay for tickets. You know, you're going to get the best bang for your buck. You're going to sit exactly where you want. You're going to know what view you have. They show you that too. You're going to have that peace of mind when you click the buy button because you're going to know you're getting the best bang for your buck. You're going to know whether you're getting ripped off, you're getting a steal. SeatGeek does all that work for you guys. You don't have to do that. You're going to feel good about your purchase. So again, that's our friends at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-U-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase. All right, enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks left in the pitcher, Nolan Belcher. All right, joining us still on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks baseball from 2009 to 2013. During his South Carolina career, he had an 18-13 and 13 record, 3.3 ERA, and 259 innings pitched. He had 238 strikeouts as well. He's a back-to-back national champion in 2010 and 2011 and was obviously on the 2012 team that went to the College World Series final as well. In 2009, he was named to the SEC All-Freshman team, was a team captain in 2013, and currently serves as a volunteer assistant coach with the College of Charleston. I am very pleased to be joined by former Gamecocks left-handed pitcher Nolan Belcher. Nolan, I really do appreciate you taking the time, man. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on, my friend. Thanks for having me, Chris. Absolutely. So I want to go back, Nolan, to the beginning for you. Obviously, you're a kid, uh, played your high school ball at Greenbrier High School down there in Augusta, kind of where I'm around. But uh, I want to ask you, obviously, you're, you're a stand, standout guy. We're a standout athlete in high school. Just talk about, um, you know, when South Carolina came into play for you. Again, like I said, you had a ton of success in high school. You guys won three state championships. Greenbrier, I remember that time, was absolutely rolling. But what was the recruiting process like for you, and when did South Carolina come into play? And I guess when did you know that was the place for you? Yeah, we uh we had some great teams back then at uh, Greenbrier. I guess uh, the recruiting process was pretty normal. Um, had some interest from some ACC, SEC schools. South Carolina kind of came into the picture going into, I guess it would be my senior summer, mm-hmm. the summer before my last year. And uh, Coach Monty Lee was actually at South Carolina during that time, but was taking his new job at the College of Charleston. He uh, got me in touch with Coach Calvi and went on a visit. Coach Calvi, at the time, they were still playing in the Sarge, and he showed me on the computer what the new stadium was going to look like. And once he did that, it, I was sold from the get-go. <laughs> I mean, I had want, I wanted to play in the SEC to begin with. You know, South Carolina had such a great fan base and was uh, was winning a lot of games at the time, so it was pretty much a no-brainer for me. So, South Carolina, it sounds like they came on pretty late in the process. Because, I mean, anybody that knows – 
baseball recruiting knows it starts so early. And I mean, especially with you, you know, being coaching now, I, I know you guys, you're going after like freshmen, sophomores in high school. What, was it hard for you to say no to, I mean, was Georgia ever in it? Georgia Tech, was it hard to say no and go out of state? Or was that, like you said, just a, a no-brainer for you to come to Columbia? It was a tough decision. Um, back then when I was getting recruited, guys weren't really committing as early as they are now. So right. I wouldn't necessarily say South Carolina came in late. Um, had some opportunities to go to Georgia Tech or Georgia. Um, went on a few visits. Um, like I said, I wanted to play in the SEC, so Georgia Tech really wasn't didn't seem like a good fit for me. I didn't really want to spend four, four or five years up in Atlanta with mm-hmm. that traffic. Um, and I guess at the end of the day, you know, Georgia was coming off a bad year. And they were transitioning from different pitching coaches. So when I was getting recruited by them, they didn't have a pitching coach. And, you know, as a pitcher, you kind of want to know who you're going to be playing for and working with. So that was uh, kind of a tough time for them. And then the stadium with South Carolina, that was just mm-hmm. kind of the final straw. Yeah, I was going to say Georgia baseball is a lot lot different now than they were back in those days, that's for sure, as far as talent-wise and stuff like that. But, uh, but no, so you, you get to South Carolina, obviously, as a freshman. I want to talk about – I think it's interesting that, you know, obviously you're at CFC with Chad Holbrook, but I was going to say you – that coaching staff back then, you talked about Chad, you talked about Ray Tanner. Just talk about your first interactions with Ray Tanner. Again, you know, a legendary head coach, a Hall of Famer. Um, what, what were those interactions like with him when you first got to South Carolina? Yeah, Coach Tanner, uh, my first year at South Carolina was actually Coach Holbrook's first year there as well as a uh, recruitment coordinator. Um, Coach Tanner was a tough one. Uh, he uh, definitely lets you know what kind of expectations were in place at South Carolina. Um, never took it easy on you. Always lets you know what was expected. And if you didn't get it done, it was <laughs> he'd let you know about it for sure. Well, do you do you and Coach Holbrook ever sit back and like tell your best Ray Tanner stories or reminisce? Because I feel like you 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 guys have got to have a very special bond and connection, having spent those years together with that with that group. Yeah, we we got some good stories, but I mean, you know, <laughs> nowadays we don't really talk about them too much. We're worried about coaching these guys up mm-hmm. down here and trying to win some ball games, so it doesn't really become a topic of discussion very often. But um, yeah, Coach Tanner, <laughs> I pitched a lot as a freshman. Had a Typical freshman year, um, up and down, had some good games, had some real bad ones. And uh, if you had a bad one, he'd make sure to let you know about it and what you need to do to fix it, that's for sure. No, no, for sure. So I do want to talk about that freshman year because, like you said, I mean, you pitched a ton. Um, had a 5-3-3 yeah. ERA, but you threw over 82 innings. You got some big wins for South Carolina on the road. Beat some very, very quality SEC teams. Just talk about that freshman season coming in. I mean – were you expecting, I guess, to jump? Because I know you jumped in the weekend rotation. I mean, as a true freshman, which, I mean, is a – you know, that's a big deal to a program like South Carolina to have a true freshman as part of your weekend rotation. I mean, did you did you see that coming, I guess? I mean, did you expect to have that big of an impact as a true freshman? I guess, you know, as an incoming freshman, you expect to get in there and then maybe pitch some impact innings. You know, I, I didn't really necessarily know what to expect. Um, I did know during the recruiting process that they were losing a lot of pitchers mm-hmm. and that there would be some opportunities to go win some jobs. Um, as, I, as we broke camp, I think I ended up pitching on Saturdays most of the year. And uh, it, it was difficult. I mean, there was such a big learning curve jumping from high school baseball into the SEC and just the f- physicality of them guys and, and the long season that you play. And it was tough. And like I said, I had some good ones and I had some real bad ones. And it was a it was a tough first year. 
I wish I would have pitched a little better. <laughs> did, did you have a welcome to the SEC type of moment, whether it was in a scrimmage or in an SEC game? Or, like, was there any moment where you're like, oh, well, this is a – I got to step my game up. This is, like, a different level now. Shoot, there was two moments for me. During the my recruiting visit, um, I went and watched them practice. I was still in high school, and mm. and they were practicing over at the Sarge. And we walk up, and I think it was Darnell, Disher, and Smoke, and Havens <laughs> were hitting in a group, and they were launching balls all over the yard. And I remember thinking to myself, man, I need to get my stuff, get it in gear a little bit if I'm going to come be pitching to guys like this. And then uh, the following year when I was actually in school, my first bullpen was next to a guy named Sam Dyson. Mm-hmm. And as you probably know, Dyson had a cannon for an arm and <laughs> it was probably throwing 94, 96 in that bullpen. And I was going, man, I hope I'm ready for this. No doubt. So obviously, like I mentioned at the start, you know, you're not just Nolan Belcher. You're not just Coach Belcher. You are two-time national champion uh, Nolan Belcher. How does that make you feel, I guess? Because like you said, I know you don't spend a lot of time right now reminiscing and reflecting and anything like that but I mean just to know what you guys did um and then going to that third national championship while you were there I mean that's got to be something that's pretty special to you still I know like I said you threw out the first pitch at the game I think what was it last weekend I mean being able to come back and sort of celebrate that I mean again that's got to be something that's really special to you still yeah it was such a special time up there in Columbia during those uh during those streaks and those national championship runs um I was able to get back up there I think it was on Wednesday or Tuesday during the PC game and throw out the first pitch yep. and see some familiar faces. And I hadn't been back to Columbia in a, in a few years, um, so it was good to get back up there. It was just, I mean, it's hard to put into words, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012, when we were winning all them games. It was a very special, special time up there for sure. Did, it, was it something where, because obviously, again, when you get to South Carolina, and when you got there, I'm saying, the expectations, you know what they are. It's Omaha. I mean, that that is – South Carolina baseball, that's the culture that has been built. It's Omaha. But did you maybe feel – like, did, did you sense that type of run was coming? I mean, because, again, I know in 09, you know, you guys go into the uh, – what was it, the regional in Greenville, and you're up two games to nothing, feeling good about yourselves, and mm-hmm. you end up losing that yeah. one. It's a heartbreaking, gut-wrenching loss, I remember, in the regional. I mean, did you sense that you guys were on the verge of a run like you went on? Shoot, after 2009, I, I couldn't – for me personally, I don't know how everybody else felt, but after we lost that regional at uh, East Carolina, I just remember thinking to myself how difficult it was to even think about Omaha or getting to a super regional because mm-hmm. that, that regional for me felt like a gauntlet. I mean, there were some good teams. Um, I actually didn't pitch very well in that regional. I just remember thinking to myself, like, man, it's so so tough right. to get to a super if you get to Omaha. And I mean, I wasn't thinking about a national championship at that, that point. I was wondering how I could get better and try to improve for next year. and get it going again yeah and, and you mentioned that it, it makes even what you guys did even more impressive I mean the, the consecutive postseason wins I mean I, I've talked with other guys I, I I know you'd probably agree that 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 to me that's one of those records kind of like you know Cal Ripken's consecutive game that that, that record will simply just never be touched I, I don't see any way that anybody's going to touch that record I think it's going to be tough I and mean, there's so much yeah. parity in college baseball and all these programs building these these new stadiums and getting great quality players it's it's going to be tough to, to match that record for sure. No doubt. So I want to talk about 2011, Nolan, for you personally, because you took a medical red shirt, you know, had Tommy John surgery, had the arm injury. I guess just talk about after our first, you know, your two your first two years at Carolina were solid years. I know obviously you're going into your junior year, which is a big year for college baseball players, the year you have leverage, yada, 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 so, so on and so forth. Just 
Talk about that injury, dealing with it, taking the medical red shirt, I guess. How tough was that for you? We all know the physical grind of coming back and rehabbing, but mentally, I guess, um, because on one hand, I know you're happy and everything, and you guys went in back-to-back national titles, but you're not necessarily able to contribute to it. I mean, how tough was that for you personally? It was tough. That was that was the first year I'd ever miss any any actions in any sport, really. And, uh, you know, in 2009, I got to pitch a lot and was kind of, you know, in the mix for everything on weekends. And then 2010, I kind of pitched sparingly out of the bullpen. So going, to the, going into that 2011 year, I was really wanting to try to crack that rotation again and, and be kind of an impact guy. And unfortunately, I <laughs> got hurt. I think it was the first inter-squad back in January before the season had started. Mm. And I felt like I was in a good spot to maybe be in an impact-type role and, you get, and I get hurt. So it was very frustrating. Um, and then the entire process of rehabbing and, and doing the same stuff over and over every day, it becomes very tedious. Um, mm. And you have to watch your teammates win another national championship and miss out. So uh, it was tough, but uh, at the same time, I was very happy and excited for you know, my teammates and the coaching staff and everybody involved in the program because, you know, I would never root for the team not to win. So it was a, it was a great time watching those guys succeed. For sure. I I want to ask you, Nolan, about 2012 because I I had your former teammate Adam Matthews on the show and I kind of joked with him about this, but it seems like that 2012 team is like the forgotten team uh, because you guys, I guess, didn't win it. I mean, it's so funny to, <laughs> yeah. it's so funny to think that way. Cause like you go on YouTube and you just look up highlights and you know, I mean, there's obviously tons of highlights from the 2010 run, the 11 run, but I'm like, people forget in 12, that team, you know, you guys literally made the final against Arizona and ran into a very, very good Arizona team, tons of talent. And you know, they come out on top, but it's like that 2012 team to me, it almost seems like the forgotten year when, again, that year you guys have would be considered by a lot of other programs as, you know, like maybe their best in school history. I mean, it's just kind of crazy yeah, to me. No doubt. So. It's, it, it's, you're right. Nobody ever talks about that year. And, you know, I've, I've stayed in the game of college baseball after my time at South Carolina, and I think I've only had maybe two or three times where it might have been a recruit or a recruit's parent, and they said, didn't y'all – didn't y'all lose one? I said, yeah, we did. When was that? 2012. That's right. You know, so nobody ever remembers that year at all. But that was another great run, and uh, it fell a few games short, unfortunately. But that was a special year as well. Oh, yeah, and it's like you said. I mean, it, it, people just don't realize just how hard it is to get through the regionals and get the, the college baseball postseason, the way it's set up. It is so hard to even get to Omaha, much less get through it, get to the final, and then win it or even just like I said, get to the final, it's so tough. What, just talk back to me again. I know you pitched in 2012 in the College World Series. Just talk about your memories of Omaha because, again, that is sort of the pinnacle. That is where every – you know, when, when every single college baseball player, you know, for you guys, for any team, when they sign that letter of intent, they come to school, that is the goal. That is the dream, right? Just what, what were some of your – what were the – you know, besides obviously winning the whole thing, what, what were some of your favorite memories that stick out from your time in Omaha specifically? Shoot, just you know the the support you get out there, just from the local college fan base. You know, just people that live out there who love college baseball, and and you turn into a rock star the entire time you're out there. You know, if you stay through the the final game, you're out there for almost two weeks, and uh, just the support you get from the fans and and everything that goes into the entire tournament. It's just very very unique and uh, 
special event that's put on. I mean, it's almost a bucket list type thing. If you're a fan of college baseball or a fan of sports mm-hmm. in general, it's one of those things to get out there and watch it. Um, I finally did get to pitch in 2012 out there, and it was uh, in the national championship game, and it was very surreal running in from the bullpen and seeing all the fans and able to step foot on that mound. It was very special for me. For sure. So I, I want to talk about something else. I know you probably hold special to you, Nolan, and that's 2013. You're named a captain. I mean, again, you can do a lot of things on the field, um, you know, that are awesome, that are special, like you mentioned. But to be named a captain, be considered a captain by your peers, your teammates, coaches, whatever, what does that mean to you? That was a good honor, great honor that year. Um, I believe our, our teammates voted on that. And, you know, as a as a competitor and an athlete, you try to do all the right stuff and try to lead by example and, and push your teammates and do all the right stuff on and off the field. So that was that was very neat for me. That was the only time I've ever been voted a captain. Um, of a team like that so it was very special for me and especially being the last year of my eligibility for sure so I want to talk about that senior year for you Nolan I mean again the most innings you had thrown at South Carolina 117 innings pitch you talked about a little bit earlier how you were battling to get back in that starting rotation you did in your final season went seven and five 2.38 ERA had 95 strikeouts and again through 117 innings which was the most you had thrown in a season at South Carolina just just talk about, I guess, the journey that you went on with, you know, you know, getting out of the weekend rotation. You get Tommy John. You got to battle back from injury to be able to overcome all that. I mean, just just talk about, I guess, that journey, if you will, to getting back to the starting rotation. It was a it was a grind to say to say the least. Um, it felt like I was in school for almost a decade. So <laughs> when I finally got to break camp as a weekend guy, my final year, it was. It wasn't a sense of relief, but it was more of like, okay, you finally did it. Now, now run with this a little bit and try to pitch well and, and keep your team in ball games and win some ball games. And I believe I started the year as a Sunday guy, mm. and somehow one way or the other ended up pitching on Fridays. We had a few injuries. Uh, Gumby went down with an injury. Mm. Uh, a few guys got shuffled in and out of the rotation. And I think about four weeks in, I started pitching on Fridays and and just kind of rolled with it. For sure. So I, I want to talk to you about something really quickly. You know, you take a look at the roster, Nolan. You were a guy known um, for your size. I mean, you, you look at the roster, 5'8", 155, and I think you're seeing a lot more in the big leagues. You know, Marcus Stroman is a perfect example where, you know, he has the big height, doesn't measure heart thing, and, you know, it, says, it doesn't matter, right? You can be any height, but I know that's something you have to overcome, and that's adversity for you. Just talk about, you know, how much did that play a factor, I guess, in your game? Did you use that to your advantage? Did you use it as an edge? Did you even think about it at all, like as far as the, the height factor? Because, you know, a lot of people will say, hey, as a pitcher, you need to be X, X tall, you need to be six foot plus, whatever they say. Um, did your height ever – I mean, did it ever fuel you? Because I'm sure, you know, growing up, that you were the guy that everybody was talking about as far as your, your height was concerned. How, how much did that fuel you, if you will? To be honest, it never – I mean – Obviously, it's you know how you know I know how short I am, and you, you hear jokes all the time. So it's not it's something I was aware of, but you know, I I felt like growing up, just in general, you know, I had an older brother. I was around sports my entire life, so I was always competitive and always wanted to win no matter what I was doing. So I wouldn't necessarily say my size was kind of drove me to to try to excel in anything. Um, mm. You know, during the recruiting process, there was definitely some schools that 
made it apparent that they weren't going to recruit me because of my size, which is understandable. I mean, being a co- coaching now, I kind of – I get that type of stuff. But I would say that fueled me more than anything was mm. people doubting me because of my size. Um, and I, I won't name those schools that passed on me <laughs> back in high school. But. <laughs> For sure. So, talk about just, again, that 2013 season concludes. I mean, w- what was the outlook? Because I, I think a lot of people – either have forgotten or just wondered I mean what was the outlook like for you with professional baseball I mean did you pursue professional baseball did you play any professional baseball like what what was and I guess for you personally what was your thought process did you know you wanted to just skip and just get into coaching like what what was that thought process for you once your career uh concluded at South Carolina I kind of knew going into that last year you know i I wasn't banking on professional baseball. I mean, I was already 23, 24 years old at the time, being a red shirt and being a fifth year guy. I was old for my grade. Um, as I was, I was held back back in middle school. Mm. So the age was playing a factor against me. My injury was playing a factor against me. And <clears throat> so I wasn't really banking on playing professional baseball. I felt like I had a great year and, and did all I could. And mm. I wasn't getting any interest during the spring. So I, you know, I knew my last game at, in North Carolina was going to be the final one once we lost. Um, had some opportunities to maybe go play overseas. But at that time with me being 24, I wanted to jump into college coaching and go ahead and get my career started on that side of the ball. Yeah, because I was going to say, I mean, I remember specifically thinking to myself, I mean, you had you had good stuff. I mean, it's, you know, like you said, there were all these things against you, the injury, maybe the the, the size, like whatever. But I'm you had good stuff. And I always just wondered, like, why is this dude not getting a chance Especially being, you know, from the left side. I mean, you're throwing high 80s. Like, again, the cur- I remember your your curveball was plus, change it was plus. I mean, I know just as someone on the outside looking in, it was surprising to me, to say the least, that you didn't get more of a look, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be lying if I – I mean, I was hoping I would have gotten drafted and gotten the opportunity to maybe play a year or two in professional baseball. I thought I had done enough that year <clears throat> from a performance standpoint, but mm-hmm. it just didn't work out. And, you know, there's no hard feelings there at all. I was able to – jump into my college coaching career over at USC Aiken and uh, never look back. So Yeah, I was going to say, everything happens for a reason for sure because, like you said, you've had a great coaching career. You were at USC Aiken for a couple of years. I know you went to Georgia College. Um, and now, like I said, it just all works out. You're at College of Charleston now with uh, Coach Chad Holbrook, who was on the staff when you were, you know, with the Gamecocks. Just kind of talk about the journey that has been Nolan Belcher's, uh, you know, coaching career to this point and what has that experience been like for you? It's been special. You know, like I said, I was able to uh, jump in at USC Aiken immediately after I finished playing. Uh, I was working a camp at South Carolina, and it was about August, and uh, I needed to find a job in a hurry. <laughs> and I ran into USC Aiken's recruiting coordinator at the camp, and Jason Walk is his name, and he told me that they had a had a opening at USC Aiken. So I got down there, um, eventually became the pitching coach down there and got the coach there for three years um, for a great head coach, Kenny Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, after three years, I was able to move into a full-time position at Georgia College. And uh, I've been fortunate. The head coaches I've worked for are all studs. I mean, Coach Kenny Thomas has won over a 1,000 games. And at mm-hmm. Georgia College, I was able to work for Jason Eller. Um, he coached – he was an assistant on those Georgia teams back in the early 2000s and and on the team that played for a national championship in 2008. So mm-hmm. uh, his resume is, is incredible as well. And now with Coach Holbrook down here, it's I've been very fortunate to learn from those three head coaches. 
No doubt. So it's funny, Nolan. I was taking a look at you guys' schedule this year. I was thinking, how do you guys not play South Carolina? I know you got Clemson on the schedule twice this year, but uh, again, I, I know it's it's a little bit of a different approach for you now, obviously, because you're coaching at CFC. I mean, South Carolina is more of your competition, really. I mean, now than they are. You know, we're talking about the Gamecocks, but I do want to ask you, as someone, you know, I know you hold it close to your heart, your time at South Carolina, and being an alum. Um, obviously, Coach Holbrook, you know, was the head coach at South Carolina for a few years. Now you have Mark Kingston. He's in his third year. Um, Ray Tanner, your former head coach, is the AD. When you take a look at South Carolina baseball right now, the state of the program, I guess what are your thoughts? Have you met Coach Mark Kingston? I mean, what, what's kind of your thoughts on just the state of Gamecock baseball and kind of what they're doing in Columbia? Yeah, I've, I've met a few of them guys. Uh, I met Coach Meade on the road back when I was at Georgia College recruiting. Got to talk with him briefly. Um, I was able to finally meet Coach Kingston face to face the other night when I threw out the first mm-hmm. pitch. You know, and I texted him when he when he was first hired, wishing him good luck and hope hoping the best. Um, you know, being in this profession, you know, I can't really speak too much on the right, state right. of the program. I know they had a difficult year last year, and and it, it's tough. I mean, that league is very very difficult. Yeah, the SEC is crazy, man. It's everybody. I mean, you got to bring it every. Yeah, you got to bring it every day, and you know you can blink and and be struggling a little bit. But uh, them, them guys work hard. They go out and get the players they want to get, and I think they got some talented guys in there now. You know, Mizinski is looking like he's going to turn into a stud this year, and then carry on Saturdays. And they got a lot of good guys in there, and I think they'll be fine. Yeah, well, I want to talk about your club as well, Nolan. You, uh, College of Charleston. You guys are five and one. We talked a little bit off here. You guys just st- uh, swept Youngstown State. Obviously, it's very early in the season, but kind of give everybody listening just sort of a uh, just sort of the rundown on you guys CFC club and kind of what you're expecting this season. Shoot, we got a lot of young pups running around out there. Um, they're getting a lot of experience early. We got a freshman on Saturdays. We got a freshman on Sundays. We got a freshman at short. We got a freshman at third. So it's a lot of youngins running around. But uh, fortunately, early in the year, we played some close games, and, and, and them guys have found a way to win these close ball games, which is nice. And, and that's kind of what it's all about in college baseball is just finding a way to win some tight ones and uh, will yourself to vic- victory sometimes. Um, we got an old veteran on Fridays, a UNC Asheville transfer, Jordan Carr. Um, I think he's going to be a special one for us this year. And we're excited. We feel like we're going to be in a lot of close ball games, so we'll be entertaining to watch, that's for sure. No question. Well, Nolan, I'm going to get you out of here, but last question. When, when you look back on your South kind of career, again, I think it's really interesting. You saw you saw really a little bit of everything. Personally, from the team, you saw the lowest of lows in 09, the regional. You saw the highest of highs, back-to-back national championships. And then again, for yeah. yourself personally, with starting as a freshman, getting injured, battling back, starting as a senior. When you look back, what's, what's maybe one memory, whether it's on the field, off the field, whatever, that sticks out to you from your time at South Carolina? Ooh, it's tough to. Sum yeah, there's up a lot. Of, I know there's a lot of good memories. For you, so. I mean, you know, I look back and whenever I reminisce, I just think about those moments running onto the field, getting ready to dogpile. You know, from that first one at Coastal Carolina down there at Myrtle Beach, that was very special. You know, Christian Walker hitting a three-run bomb to put us up, and and you're, you're running into the dogpile, and it's 110 degrees, and it just kind of sinks in. Like we're about to go to Omaha, we're about to go to Rosenblatt. You know, that's a special one for me. Um, you know, watching our guys, watching us tee it up against Garrett Cole in the national championship in 2010 and, and finding a way to win that ball game in Whit Merrifield, hitting a walk-off home run, and and just all those all those memories are very special to me. And then, of course, you know, all the relationships you, 
you make along the way. And I'm super tight with, with a majority of these guys from those, my years there and, uh, talk to them all the time. So those relationships that, that I gained from those time, my time there is probably what I hold dearest. Yeah. I was going to ask you, has that ball that Christian Walker hit in Myrtle beach, is it, you think it's landed yet or not? It might have landed in the ocean by now, but that, that, that ball was hammered. That was an awesome yeah. moment for sure. Oh, yeah, back in the good old days when the bats were, were juiced and pitchers were just lives <laughs> out there. Sure, they don't make them like Christian Walker anymore. No, no, no doubt, no doubt. Well, Nolan, I really do appreciate the time. And, again, I know I speak for all Gamecock fans. We say it was a pleasure to watch you do what you did out there for South Carolina, obviously. Uh, a guy that truly left it all on the field. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely be keeping up this season as you uh, – lead C of C and, you know, wish you guys the best of luck this year for sure. And appreciate you taking the time, my man. I appreciate it, Chris. Come on down to the beach and visit us anytime. Hey, absolutely, man. We'll have to do it. So for Nolan Belcher, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in and we'll catch you next time on episode of the Spurs Up Show.